Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everybody. It has been several weeks since I uh, made my last show. Uh, I had a surgery on my left knee, and uh, the knee that was operated on last year is going to need another surgery in the near future. So I'm really not in a very good mood about all of this. Uh, it is a difficult thing to get older and have the parts start to wear out. But in any event, uh, I feel up to doing a show today, and uh, I wanted to, I'll tell you the motivation for today, the topic. Somebody sent around an email in my development about uh, Great Britain. According to the email, uh, a story was circulating that the uh, British government had ordered all mention of the Holocaust and memorials to the Holocaust removed from the school curriculum. And this led to, uh, in my community, it's largely Jewish, uh, but even non-Jews, an outrage. And as this email around, it said, send it to uh, ten other people and circulate this and we'll embarrass the British government. And I decided I was going to talk about the denial of the Holocaust and other fantasies or constructions, stories that people live by uh, that either include facts uh, that aren't so or exclude facts that are so. In other words, uh, uh, the denial of the Holocaust or so many of the religious, and, and I'm going to mention political stories and uh, what went on in our banking system as our country now sits on its knees economically. Um, and so I decided before I did this story, I would look up the uh, issue involved. I would do a little research. And it took me five minutes uh, Googling. I love that word, Google. And discovered that it was a, not a true at all. The British government, hi Marion, how are you? The British government did not remove uh, all mention of the Holocaust. Uh, in fact, uh, they were now scrambling to uncover the source of this rumor and it was absolutely not so. And yet this thing is now circulating and people are, uh, are uh, you know, their blood is boiling over what is, is a false story. And I decided to talk a little bit about the difference between uh, reality and fantasy. And how do you know when something is true? And how do you not know? Because this is no easy story. This is no easy feat to figure out even what's true in our own pasts, in our own story. And I am a believer in fantasy, but only when it doesn't interfere with what might be called reality. Um, when I was a, a, a young analyst, therapist, uh, one of the things that drove me crazy was the Freudian idea that, that uh, or the, the, the clinical idea that Patients who were disturbed had poor reality testing. And that the therapist somehow had better reality testing. That the Freudian theory uh, that uh, everything comes from repressed sexuality was the fact that one uh, uh, held on to and that if a person was upset, it had to do with their mother, it had to do with repressed sexuality, it had to do with defense mechanisms, and that was the end of it. 
And it's not that I don't believe in repressed sexuality or that sex can cause problems in people's lives. It's just that here was somebody saying something like, you know, God was telling them uh, to uh, that a message was coming through their teeth, and someone was saying, no, this is because you have repressed sexuality and you have to know uh, uh, what, what your sex drive was and what your mother did to you and, and whatever. Nobody had any real evidence for this. It was as if one fantasy was coming up against another fantasy. And it's not that I didn't believe that this fantasy of the what we call patients wasn't destructive to them. It was. They couldn't live their life in any effective way. It's just that what was countering it didn't make a heck of a lot of sense to me because there was no evidence for it. There was no way to prove or disprove what this person uh, experienced in their past. And I, I mean, I, I once listened to at a door to, to uh, a therapist, a social worker, scream at a patient. You have to accept. If you don't accept my interpretation of your behavior, you'll never get better. Um, and I didn't know what was more destructive, leaving this individual alone with their fantasy uh, or, <laughs> or forcing them and pushing them to accept something that was in no way true. Uh, or at least that I could see had no great story, uh, truth to it. Um, there are people who deny the Holocaust. And I think that's a very serious way to live one's life. Uh, how do we know there was a Holocaust? Well, there are facts. First thing is that the, the Nazis were very proud of the Holocaust. The concentration camps were really called by them extermination camps. And the Jews and other untermenschen or, or below human life uh, people were the disease of the fatherland. And what they were doing in these extermination camps was ridding themselves of a disease. And so they left a tremendous record. And it seems to me extremely difficult to ignore the record. It's done. It seems to be done all the time that uh, there are people and countries that accept the idea that there was no Holocaust. Or if there was, it wasn't so bad. It wasn't six million Jews. And by the way, another six or seven million others, two million gypsies, uh, all the retarded people or people with low IQs, the physically disabled, uh, homosexuals, uh, huge numbers of political prisoners, uh, a very large number of priests uh, who refused to go along with the Nazi philosophy, all were uh, exterminated as a disease of the fatherland. And it seems to me that escaping from the facts this way uh, is always very dangerous. Now, one of the things that motivates me to talk about this uh, and, and ask people to ask for facts and involve themselves in discussions with other people about where the facts are uh, involves what's been happening in our country. It seems to me more and more our society is living in fantasy land. Um, people, uh, I came across a story which, by the way, seems to be true. A bus driver in California was given a mortgage of $800,000 to buy a house, $800,000. Uh, 
the people who set her up with this were living in some kind of a fantasy that somehow they didn't think that this leveraged debt that was in their bank would ever come back and bite them. I don't know how they experienced their, their sense of facts. These are educated people. They took courses in economics. They took courses in mathematics. I, I also have trouble understanding uh, this woman who would take out a mortgage for $800,000. Now, certainly in the first couple of years, they made it very easy for her to pay back. There was no, virtually no interest. And a very small proportion of the principal had to be paid. But all of that, uh, not, the principal that wasn't being paid and the interest was going back on the original $800,000 mortgage. And as long as her price of a house keep go, going up, uh, let's say it was selling for a million dollars, she could always, if she got stuck, sell the house, pay off the debt. And all of a sudden, the housing market collapsed because uh, uh, of these fantasies that were ruling the land. And she could not, along with millions of other people, pay back all of a sudden the onerous debt when the principal came due and the interest came due on top of the original 800000 or whatever exorbitant mortgage these individuals had taken out. Now, I understand how desperate people are to want to live the American dream and live in a house. Uh, but it really makes it difficult to, for me to sit into the mind of an individual and ask, how could they not see down the road? It's obvious they didn't. It's obvious they didn't. So here we have an entire culture built around money, spending money that nobody really has. It's make-believe. It's fantasy money. And the facts of paying this back and the debt that was being built up being completely ignored or buried in some kind of a fantasy like it'll work out or, you know, maybe God will intervene. Uh, I mean, this whole election about God, 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 God. I'm watching television recently. And I hear that uh, from people on The View, two women who believe literally in Satan. Show me Satan. You want to make a fact? Show it to me. Show it to other people. Show it to yourself. A fact is something that can be seen and or heard and or felt and or smelled and or tasted. Right? Otherwise, it's not a fact. It's a theory, and a theory is a guess. And at the point at which we take our theories and don't recognize them as theories, but turn them into facts that have no substantiation, either for your own senses or the senses of another, we are on a voyage. And where that voyage ends up is usually not in a good place. Why do I raise this point? Because I'm frightened to death, literally frightened to death, about what I see happening. Um, at this point, I see our administration, uh, the Obama administration, trying to put together some facts, but really in over their heads about uh, how this can be worked out. Nobody really knows how much debt there is.
Nobody seems to be uh, dealing with facts. Um, it's all supposition. It's all theory. But worse, it's not recognized as theory. It's fantasy. I wonder how many people out there are saying God will take care of us because we're America. That scares the hell out of me. Why would God take care of anybody? God hasn't taken care of the rest of the world very well. Uh, it, it's a terrifying thing to think that we can uh, go into a depression, a serious economic, social depression, because when that happened in between the world wars, that's when Hitler came to power. He offered not facts, but a wonderful fantasy. Right? We're going to be strong men and women. We're going to rule the world for a thousand years. How would this going to happen? How would a country of 600 million people, or if it's that much, 350 million people, rule a world made up of billions of people? How are they to do this? What were the facts? How would you work this out? Where were you going to get the army? Where were you going to get the, the, uh, uh, the tools to take over the entire world? And 11 years later, his, his empire collapsed and left Germany in total and utter ruin. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people hungry and starving. I don't know the answer to this. I was trained as a scientist. And as times go by, I become more and more in love with the idea of science. We have a theory, whatever the theory is, a theory about myself, a theory about you, a theory about other people. I ask questions. Are there facts to substantiate the theory? Otherwise, how do we change the theory? How do we move into another set of ideas? Instead, of, of holding on to the same ideas, the same fantasies, and, and making the same mistakes over and over and over again. Now, again, this is not really easy. It's a wonderful stuff that was done on memory in recent years. Freud believed that if you um, went into psychoanalysis and were asked the right questions and you free associated to your dreams, no evidence this is uh, so at all, none whatsoever, but this was the theory, and at least it was called a theory, although most of the people I knew who worked as Freudians didn't hold it as a theory. They held it as absolute gospel. It was like the catechism. And if the, the person uh, would get into their unconscious mind, they would come up with exact memories of the traumas in childhood that had led to their use of defense mechanisms or these dangerous fantasies, their denial of reality, their poor judgment and poor reality testing, and they would be set free. And now the evidence for memory is that that's not particularly so. It's very difficult to understand what happened in our past because we're so good at constructing stories that we live by and leaning the stories our way making the stories better than they actually are, making them happier, making them turn out well, that when we construct the memories of the past, very often we leave out all kinds of unpleasant stuff and remember all kinds of stuff that never existed. Make it even scarier for you. 
If your therapist believes that something is so, we now know that individuals, to please the therapist, will construct memories and swear that the memory is so. This happened uh, during the la- in the last 10 years when the idea that uh, anybody who was, any woman who was overweight or had a sexual problem or other kinds of difficulties had been seduced by a brother or their father, they had been sexually abused. And I remember sitting at a table having lunch with uh, my then chairman of my department and his girlfriend, uh, who was a therapist, and her saying categorically and absolutely, any woman who is overweight is sexually abused, was sexually abused. And this abuse has to be uncovered. They have to admit to it. And I looked at her, incredulous. And uh, I asked her, were you sexually Yes, she was. She says, I was sexually abused. It came up in my therapy. And all of my patients who are overweight, because this is now my practice, this is what I do, was sexually abused. This was incredible. I said, where is the evidence for this? The evidence is in their memories. Well, I'm walking down the hall one day, and one of my colleagues, a a history professor, is, is weeping. And I say to him, what's the matter? And he says, my daughter will not speak to me anymore. My family is split. She went to therapy to one of these female therapists who convinced her that I sexually abused her. My wife is divorcing me. They've thrown me out. They absolutely accept that this is so. He says, I swear on my life, I swear on everything holy. I never touched my daughter. I was a good father to her. Similar stories appeared in the newspapers. Men who swore. When I next saw my friend's uh, 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 girlfriend, I said to her, I said, you know, there are stories showing up that this may not be absolutely so. And she said, then you are a sexual abuser because the only people who would deny the sexual abuse of these women is either someone who aids sexual abusers or is one himself. Do you have daughters? And at that point, I had a very eerie feeling going up and down my spine, and that was the end of that. I walked away, never spoke to her again. And a few months later, I found out from my friend he had broken up with her because she accused him of being a sexual abuser. He referred to her after that as the Velociraptor. That's a a, a dangerous kind of dinosaur. It turned out that um, a number of these men who were accused were able to prove that uh, their daughters were not sexually abused. Uh, These were very upset, frightened, confused young women. And uh, when these uh, uh, individuals went to another therapist, oftentimes the memory that had become a fantasy uh, created in league with the with the uh, therapist was that uh, that it was never happened. Only it was too late to say you were sorry. These individuals were publicly ridiculed. They were destroyed. Their careers were destroyed. Family life was destroyed. And then it passed. It sort of disappears, and we wait next for the next fad and set of fantasies that come along. Uh, 
How do we make it through this? How do we make it through this? I don't know. How do we raise our children so that they can be good scientists and ask, is this true? How do I know that this story is true? How do I check the facts? If I can't see things, how do I get my parents to understand that I don't want to accept the idea of God uh, or some other fantasy or some story uh, without evidence? How do I hold myself? Well, a famous philosopher by the name of Kierkegaard believed that if children were raised without a lot of fear, they'd be able to accept death, they would be able to accept their mortality, they'd be able to accept a variety of things and not latch on to comforting fantasies or believe uh, uh, the demagogues, the politicians, uh, and others who present all kinds of theories and fantasies as if they were absolute facts. If you can't see it, if you can't hear it, if you can't smell it, if you can't taste it, it's a theory. It's an idea. And if you're not sure, you have to ask somebody else. That's why I believe a dialogue with somebody who is has a scientific bent. And I don't mean they have to do experiments, but that they, they live with doubt, that their minds are open to alternate explanations. I asked a couple of the people who circulated this message uh, about the British throwing out the, the, uh, all the uh, Holocaust from their curriculum, which is absolutely not so, that it dawned on you to check those facts. The fact that it was on the Internet, why would you immediately accept it and, test, and as asked, send it on to ten other people? Who knows where these lies end up? Who, know, get, who knows who gets hurt by these lies? Well, I don't have an answer for any of this, although I do believe we are in deep doo-doo as a society. Uh, there seems to be less and less education in school to train people to ask about the facts, to have meaningful, intelligent, what I call intelligent discussions uh, with an open mind. Uh, I recently went to a... Um, uh, a man in my development decided to teach a course in American history. Uh, uh, he was a high school teacher. He said, he's, he's like me. Uh, maybe I'll talk to him and give him uh, blog talk radio, and he can go on the air and not uh, be beaten up as he was, well, psychologically, almost physically beaten up. So as a trial balloon for his course, I mean, he wants to talk, he wants to be heard, uh, he's retired from teaching. He decided to talk about the history of the partition of Israel and, and, uh, and uh, the, the, the Arab world and the Palestinians. And my friend said, you know, we should go and support him. Another friend of mine, I said, you know, there is a group here, you know them, they've come and they destroyed our last book club meeting. Uh, they are fanatical on the topic of Israel. And I mean fanatical. You cannot say anything that would even suggest that Israel may have done some things wrong in relation to, uh, um, to uh, that the, the Palestinians, that Israel may have a hand 
in creating the difficulty that they're uh, uh, involved in. And I have no doubt that at this point, Hamas and Hezbollah, the fanatics on that side, sworn to drive the Jews and Israel into the sea, are almost completely in control of that portion of the world. How terrifying that somehow these are the people now in control. But I knew that if he said the wrong thing, the fanatics on the other side, on the Jewish side, on the Israeli side, who are in control of so much of the debate in Israel and here in the United States, as far as I could see, were going to jump all over him. And sure enough, when he read, showed uh, the, a, a graph taken from a textbook that one of the ones who, who's fanatical on this said, where does this book come from? I don't believe it. It's a pro-Palestinian book. And I had seen him do the same thing about a book we had discussed in our book club called The Looming Power. Attack the veracity, the reality, and the position of the author without any evidence. And this poor fellow said, it's just a textbook I picked up and I used. I have no reason to believe. Well, you're against Israel. You don't believe Israel should have ever become a country. You don't know dick shit about this topic. At which point, this man presenting this course was absolutely flabbergasted. He didn't know what to do. And a number of us came to his aid and said, you are being, to this individual, you're being rude. And he just laughed. He said, well, you're all liberals on his side. You're all pro-Palestinian. This, I said to him, if you look in the mirror, you'll see what you hate. This is what the Nazis did. This is what the communists did. Communism brought the whole communist world down into misery with theories that had no basis in reality and no basis in fact. This is what leads to major war. Am I being too negative? I don't know. I don't feel being too negative. If I read the newspapers, things look really glum and out of hand. The Middle East could blow up. A crazy man, I use that as a judgment, is in control of Iran, who believes and states that the Holocaust never happened, that the Jews deserve to be all killed, and is trying to develop an atomic bomb so he could wipe out Israel, and believes that if he does this, and he's wiped out in return, because Allah loves him, and he's a warrior, and doing jihad, he will go with his family and everybody else into paradise. Is there any evidence for paradise? He's betting untold human misery on the idea that there's paradise. And since he seems that these people seem to be willing to take risks, like blowing themselves up with, with bombs to kill somebody else's children and blowing themselves up, they must, on some level, really believe that they are going to have a paradise. I'm not sure how to contradict this. I'm not sure how we deal with this. I know we have to have discussions about this. I know we have to stand up and speak what we believe to be the truth. And I know we have to speak the truth with doubt. I don't have the answers. But I don't want to be caught up 
in some kind of dangerous fantasy, take some kind of treatment for my knee that has no evidence of, of helping it and finding myself worse off than I am at the present time. Well, uh, I don't know what anybody would like to add, anybody would like to call up. I just did a 30-minute show. Uh, I have a pizza party in a half an hour, and I'm going to go and try to enjoy that. And uh, I'll see when I go on the air again. I think I'll try to go on the air next week. If I get some nice emails, um, some messages uh, at the blog talk radio, uh, com forward slash stories we live by with some topics that people might want me to expound upon. Although I feel like I'm running out of room on this and uh, not being able to have the kind of dialogue I want, uh, then we'll see what happens. So have a wonderful evening, everybody. Good night, Marion. And uh, thank you for uh, being my guest again today. And I certainly appreciate it. And good night.